Hi, this is Nick Craig. This is the Leading for Purpose podcast. Today, I have a wonderful special guest, uh, Andrea Pomo, who is the head of operations, the VP of operations for one of the most top-end resort destinations in the world called Borja Extandia. Okay. It is, I've been there, and uh, there are a few places that uh, are transformational as an experience. Uh, and I have a pretty high uh, credentials for what would make that be the case, but this is one of those places. Uh, and anyway, I really want to thank you for joining us today. We're going to have two conversations today. One is, uh, Andrea has done our program, he has a purpose, and he's going to talk about the journey and his insights around what that looks like. But just as important, we're going to talk about how the institution has uh, transformed itself and how it looks at the current crisis in a very different way than probably any other hotel that I can imagine. And I think it's a really hopeful, positive story of what's possible when purpose really shows up. So, Andrea, thank you for joining us. Nick, thank you very much for inviting me. It is a great pleasure. Uh, thank you for pronouncing perfectly my name, which is Italian, so it's not that uh, easy. And uh, um, the, the hotel where we work is a Borgo Ignazza. That's even more difficult. And it's okay, well, I class. sort of got it wrong, but I appreciate <laughs> you saying it correctly. So thank you so much. And you are located, where is the hotel located? The hotel is located in the southern part of Italy. Uh, the region is Puglia. And uh, until a couple of years ago, it was completely unknown in the classic uh, high-end touristic circuits. And so I had to point out the hill of the book just to have people understanding <laughs> where the location was. But right now, um, it's been growing a lot in the, in the interest of the international public, and we are doing really, really well. The good news is that it's still new in the international market, but uh, this is uh, only a good thing because uh, it's a region where uh, tradition and um, culture is very authentic and unique. Is it? Exactly. It's gotten a lot of awards as well, yes? It's like the yes. top, top place to go in Europe or something of that sort. It's got some amazing oh, awards. Borgo has 10 years. Actually, uh, this year we have um, uh, turned our first 10, 10 years of history. Uh, in the last three years, Aldi have been collecting many, many accolades from uh, top resorts in Europe, from, according to the NAS Traveler in 2017 and 2019, top resorts in Italy uh, with, um, in 2018 with um, uh, this was Travel and Leisure, and Michelin star for our gourmet restaurant in 2019. And the one I really care the most is the 2020, we are the only Italian hospitality industry awarded with the top employer certification. Wow, this is great. So, uh, all this, this is, it's a, we're going to talk about purpose. When I, when I was there, one of my, my one of the, the only mistake I made when I was there was one of the things I could, uh, I could sign up for, which didn't make any sense, was to go uh, driving around in an Alfa Romeo convertible, right? Yes. Like, who, what, is, what is the deal there? I know, so that one day, uh, when I'm walking out, I see these 10 1970s vintage, vintage Alfa Romeo Spider convertibles all lined up to go on this thing. And I was like, boy, did I miss the opportunity of a lifetime. So anyway, uh, it's a great place. But the purpose of our 
uh, conversation today is that uh, as in all institutions and organizations, it's, it's not the building that matters, it's the people that matter. Absolutely. What I'd love you to do is to tell us what your purpose is. Okay, uh, my purpose, um, I just want to say as it is, is gonna be, uh, it's gonna sound a little crazy, but then we can go together over it and explain it. Exactly. My purpose is I am the torchbearer. My spark starts a pirate transformation. Okay, so it's, there's a wonderful set of visuals for anybody listening, right? So what is, why those words to you, for you? Well, that's kind of a really interesting combination. <laughs> yes, you know, for me, all these words that can seem kind of crazy at the first glance, they have a very deep meaning to me. And reaching out to this deep meaning was a quite difficult uh, work. I would like to, to, to start from a little bit, providing you a little bit of background about myself and I was doing before moving to, to Borgognata because actually uh, when we met in 2017, I had just uh, quit my previous job and jumped into Borgognata, but was one of the most difficult decisions I made in my life and I had absolutely no clarity about why I did it. Mm. And the, the work we did together actually for the first time put me in the condition to put all the pieces of the puzzle together yeah. and see the big picture for the first time. So at, at the end of 2016, uh, I was working as a senior operation and change management Boeing, uh, manager for the Boeing company. I think everybody knows about Boeing uh, because recently before we were, everybody talking about the COVID-19 uh, was on newspapers because all the troubles on the 737 program. Uh, which is really a shame, but still I'm deeply connected with Boeing. Um, I love the company. I'm absolutely grateful for the six years I spent uh, with oh. them. And still is one of the Fortune 500 company, uh, glorious history over 100 years, the biggest aircraft manufacturer in the world. So I really wish they, they will be able to find their purpose and get- yeah, We hope so. I, hopefully they'll call me soon so I can help them. <laughs> really a great company. And at that time, uh, I, was at, uh, I felt like I was at the end of my career, and the reality was exactly the opposite. Mm. Uh, long story short, I was working on a 787 program, which is the most advanced commercial airplane right now available on the market, and is a very unique business model. Uh, for that airplane, Boeing decided to go global, and having the airplane um, divided in big sections, manufactured by the biggest aviation industry around the world. So Fuji and Mitsubishi in Japan and Leonardo in Italy. Now, you can imagine how complex is an operation like that. And then when you sum up also with cultural differences and things like that, uh, turns out that the program, the program had a very uh, difficult times and a huge problems. It took more or less six years and um, we solved them all. Literally, uh, in 2016, we delivered the first unit of the Dash 10, which is the last derivative model of the entire family, with one month ahead of schedule and the best quality among all the partners. Now, if you think about the fact that, generally speaking, when we talk about cultural differences, Italian sounds considered to be pretty good at, I don't know, creativity and style, but not so good regarding <laughs> precision of schedule and accuracy. Exactly. The Germans tend to get that one down right but yeah exactly okay. so beating the japanese partners exactly on this field that, that was was a great accomplishment 
So my team was awarded in a very short time the Supplier Management Excellence Award and myself, I was awarded the uh, PACE Award, which is Proactive Action to Create Excellence, two very important accolades within the Boeing company. Uh, and everything was perfect. So we were really harvesting success after success. We find a way to work together as a team. And my team was, you know, coming to me in the morning and said, we had this problem, we solved this way, we just want to inform you and to keep you posted. Literally the dream and every manager dreams about. But instead of being happy about this, I started to feel that something was wrong. I was feeling moody, I was feeling mm. um, that, that something was not, I was missing something, but I was not even able to understand exactly what I was missing. And so I was even getting angry at myself because, you know, the first reaction was, what's wrong with me? Instead of enjoying the success after six years of literally sweat, blood and tears, yep. everything is done, everything is working perfectly. So what, what's wrong with me? And no matter how long, how much time I spent chewing on it, I, it seems like I, it seemed like I, I wasn't able to, to reach an, an understanding of what was going inside me. I had this struggle and I didn't know why. And then out of the blue, I was contacted by a headhunter and was proposed another job offer. And that just started, you know, the entire process just out of curiosity. And then they end up saying, okay, you are the guy we want. And I was totally unprepared because, you know, I had no intention whatsoever to leave Boeing. And then having this conversation with these people, they were talking to me about a beautiful vision. And the vision was transformative. They wanted to transform a place that was already doing great. Uh, and they, they were willing not to change because things were not working. They were willing to change, to prepare, to go into the direction of that big vision they had to bring the... Um, traditional Korean roots and uh, bring this culture on the international stage, which is really something on me because I'm a Korean native as well. But on the other side, you know, the logical thing was saying, wait a moment, I mean, I'm not going for sure to leave a multinational company at the top of my career and my success to join a family business, uh, you know, in a totally different um, industry I don't know anything about. And of course I did. <laughs> because I don't know why, there was something inside myself that was able to overcome the logical part. And I felt like I was, you know, like a magnetic force attracting me to do, it, to do this change. So I, at the end I did, but just because I, it was this force that was biggest of, of the others, I could not resist it. This was the reality. But I exhausted myself in the effort to resist to it. When I was talking about it with, uh, with my family and friends, uh, I was surprised because they were not surprised. Mm. Because it's, oh, yeah, you've always been doing the same thing. And they remember me that, yeah, exactly. I don't know why, but uh, all my career has been um, with these sharp turns. So in HR terms, they will say that I have a non-linear path. But the way I look at it, as a matter of fact, I'm crystal clear about the fact that I've been underqualified for every single job I've been offered in the last 15 years. And nevertheless, accepting it, I've been always able to exceed expectation and to be a game changer. So obviously there was something missing there and was not enough talking in terms of hard and soft skills. There was something else going on. Because then, you know, I'm a quick learner, so I, I learn everything I needed, but 
was not the game changer, was not the one that game changer. So um, when, uh, when we met and we started working about purpose and uh, all of that, all of a sudden, I was able to figure it out what, which one was the missing part. And when we started working about my personal uh, purpose statement, my first attempt, and I've been working on it a lot, and that first attempt, I still remember, it was something like um, uh, inspiring team to exceed expectation. And obviously it was wrong, because the missing part was, you know, this is uh, just a nice, a beautiful set of words put together, uh, but it's a logical effort. There was a missing part, and the missing part was the work on the crucibles. So I like inspiring team and exceeding expectation, mm. but these are the things I like to do. I had to confront myself on the crucible of my life because there was a missing part um, that I needed to recover, to have clarity on it. And this part, when I started working on that, which is, by the way, precisely what I didn't want to do, because you know, when you go back to your crucibles, you feel again with the emotional component, which is not easy. And I, I didn't want it to feel uh, these negative emotions again. So the but crucible, when I did, for those not, not aware, is when we run our programs, we talk about crucible experiences, and these are experiences in our lives when we are most tested. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And when we did this work, I realized that uh, the experience in my life uh, when I was most tested, they always had one characteristic in common. And this one, the feeling, not, doesn't matter what was happening in the reality, but my feeling was to feel like a misfit. It is an extremely unpleasant feeling because you basically feel like you're out of place and you don't belong to that. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Obviously, my reaction, as I didn't like that feeling because it was extremely unpleasant, my reaction was a big effort or adaptation. I wanted to adapt to things. I wanted to fit into it. And then I realized all of a sudden that this is exactly what I am. I am a misfit. But the reason why I am a misfit is because my purpose is changing things. It's not to adapt to them. So I realized that the, the most suffering I experienced, the most part of that su suffering was not coming from who I am, but from the effort to resist who I am. And when I decided that, okay, this is what I am, and I'm good at that, I realized that also this is my strength. I'm not supposed to adapt to things, I'm supposed to change things. And reflecting on that, and then looking on the other part of the exercise we did together, so when you feel at the top when things are really working, when you are in the flow, when you are able to change things. Well, in this situation was always um, the fact that I recognized my task to be exactly the um, starting of a process. That's why I came to this metaphor about the torch bearer because, you know, the torch itself is, is a tool. Uh, it's a tool to, to, for spreading light. Uh, you don't need that when you are in the sunshine, right? The sunlight, you don't need it. Uh, you need it when you're surrounded by darkness. And this is a powerful image for me because it remembers that my uh, purpose, um, my purpose come out pain. I had to pass through that to realize that uh, this is also my talent. And I like the fact that thinking about light as a tool, the tool can be moved. It's not connected to a specific place. Uh, can start the fire, and the fire itself is, is a transformational force. Um, 
you know, it's going back to the beginning of time, is the, the first part of the civilization because it's what, you know, gathered people around something, allowed people to cook food and so to share the meal and creating the, the beginning of a community. Uh, you can forge metal using the fire. Uh, also, there are a lot of memories uh, of my childhood because, you know, as a matter of fact, I was the one really uh, starting the fire at Christmas, for example, in the fireplace or during barbecues. Now, if you think about that, kids are not really supposed to play with fire, right? But that, that was a lesson that my, gra my grandfather wanted to teach me. So that was the way he used to teach me responsibility. And actually, I was really good at that. So in, in my family, I was given that, that task and it was always mine. But since I was really, really young, but I took it very seriously. For me, it was a lesson about responsibility and I took it that way. So that's the fire part, the torch. Interesting. And when I was looking back, uh, that was really the first time in my life when I was able to connect all the dots and see that in my um, non-linear path, that we, we described it before, actually there was a perfect coherence and i understand also why basically i had no choice but to accept the offer from Bobinyatsa because the vision they shared to me uh, was so beautiful and on top of that it was not about running a business that was already doing really really well it was about enacting uh, the vision they had uh, working on for quite a long time. So they had everything set, the purpose of the organization, all the values, but they needed to start the process. They needed somebody able to start the fire of transformation, melting down the old culture and forge the new one. It's quite an interesting metaphor. The other thing that's funny is that when you walk into the lobby of the hotel, I don't know what you want to call this, <laughs> the inside lighting is all done with candles, with, with, with real candles. Yes. So once again, the fire metaphor, it's the only place I've ever, it's one of the few places I've been where there's all these candles always lit. And you're like, wow, okay. So, so interesting how it's all these pieces come together. So it feels yes, like- a, was, was amazing, absolutely amazing. Interesting. So in some ways, the beauty of discovering purposes and is seeing how the themes all fit together, right? And, and that's and so cool. But really, for me, it was seeing for the first time. Because even if, you know, um, so it was clear to me that as much as, a, as a matter of fact, I sucked adapting to the situation, I exceeded expectation when I changed them, I couldn't understand why. So this, I, I could see the things, but I couldn't understand them. It was this, this missing part, that there is no way to get there just thinking about hard and soft skills. It's not enough by far, you, you can reach that. Purpose is the key to understand why you do what you do because it's connected with who you are. And as you say, it's not about finding your purpose, it's about reconnecting to it because I had always been there and was acting in me even without realizing that it was there. That's why for me, the biggest change was stop interfering, not resisting to it because that was my, you know, from where all my unpleasant emotions were coming, from the resistance. The resistance of living your purpose. Interesting. And so when you gave yourself into it, then in some ways that's one of the powerful things is once you know it, you no longer have to resist it and you can like see the possible, see where it's leading you. Yes. And and the, it. the most important lesson is, you know, when your purpose is knocking at the door, jump in. Hmm. Don't even think twice. Excellent. So thank you. This is beautiful.
So what we're now going to do is I want to have a change the topic slightly. Uh, Morga is a high-end resort destination hotel. And we now throw coronavirus into the middle of us. And when I was uh, communicating with you the last couple of weeks, what I noticed was is that I expected, when I said, how are you? I expected an answer which was pretty negative. What I got was a really positive answer. And then I said to myself, well, given his purpose, why am I surprised? So I'd love for you to talk about how you guys sort of saw this thing happening and what you chose, you, you and the others who are running the, the organization have decided to do as a way of uh, thriving versus just surviving. Uh, yes. Um, we are, yes, I want to clarify it up front. It up front. Uh, we, are, we feel really, really positive. But it's not because we are not aware of exactly what is going on. We read all the analysis that are available right now and we know at the economists and all the analytics are saying that the, the moment is very difficult and not, it's not going to uh, get back to normal any soon. Um, we believe that there will be no get back to normal, okay. but itself is not a problem. The problem is how do you react to, to it? So in order to create a uh, parallel with what I was saying before about an individual level, the social and the collective level is exactly the same thing. So COVID-19 is here. It's touching everybody's life. It's extremely um, tough. Um, the situation is extremely serious. But how do you react to uncertainty, can weigh from fear and anxiety to resilience to optimism? You choose in which way you want to deal with it. Now, for us as an organization, uh, I would say that we were totally equipped to deal with it in the perfect way. Because when I joined Boeing, when I joined Borg Ignazia, uh, the magic was the fact that my purpose was aligned with the purpose of organization. The organization has done a lot of things in these years that we have been working together to prepare for that. And for that, I mean that we know that we are living in a book world. We know that our reality is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And we know that our world is really struggling under the burden of its own complexity. So now the challenge is the face of COVID-19, but it's just one of the faces. It's, you know, uh, we need to remember that up to a couple of months ago, you know, Australia was on fire and we have islands of plastic floating across the oceans and you know all the other things we, we know really, really well. So the situation is complex itself. What's the difference uh, with COVID-19? Is the scale of this change, is the fact that it's hitting everybody. And of course, it's hitting in particular the travel, tourism and hospitality industry because of the lockdown, because of the consequences. Now, there will be no go back, go back to normal, but normal was not okay anyway. So what we are thinking about is, okay, how can we change with resilience uh, to this situation and build a better future? 
We want to be part of what's going on. We want to build something better. We don't want to go back to normal because don't normal, normal was, was not okay. And you know, it's always a bouncing between the big picture and the small picture. So we go from big consideration of you know, humanity and the future of our community as human beings to the small things we do in operations, but we always bang, bang, bounce between the big pictures and the application of that. For example, uh, we know we have a need for human touch and community. So now we rely on uh, internet digital connectivity for survival, but our life tomorrow will be shaped by the human touch. We need to, to find new form for that. We need to, to find better form for that. And exactly in the same way we deal uh, on crucibles on a personal level. How do you do that? You try to understand the lesson in the difficult moment you are living. Why don't they try the same approach on the collective ladder? What is this situation teaching us? First of all, uh, there are so many interesting things. Uh, the virus recognized the human being as his guest, doesn't care about nationality, doesn't need a passport to travel. We are all the same. That means we are literally all the same in this. And we know that countries and organizations where the, the social capital is strong, they react better to situations so catastrophic like this one. So, Social capital, sense of community, sense of belonging to something is, some, is, is something definitely we need to tap on in order to get out of this situation. It's bringing um, the fact that uh, dignity again on the frontline workers. Now everybody's realizing that the food we eat, uh, the coffee we drink, the clothes we dress, there is a lot of work to produce these things we enjoy. Uh, our new heroes are nurses and doctors and people saving life in hospitals. Uh, and these people are acting uh, because they believe in what they do, because of their purpose. They're giving their life in this situation. What does it look like then? What's the, so most everybody else's view of your industry is that everybody got laid off. And well, this is, this is a very interesting terrible, topic. Terrible, right? What we did- They're not coming um, back. So what's, what's it feel, what's it like there? Yeah, I, want, I wanted to step a little back on the beginning of the COVID-19 because, you know, Italy, so after China, Italy was the country that was, you know, the most by the, the emergency. And it's interesting because uh, it seems like Italy was looking at China, like saying, oh, guess what is happening in China, but we don't care. I mean, it's not really related with us. And then a month later, Lombard, uh, Lombard in Italy and Milan was shut down and red area. Which is uh, northern Italy. Now you're in southern Italy, so you're yes. You're southern Italy was was the safest zone compared with the the epidemic yeah. outbreak. But nevertheless, we as a community at Borgignas, we were watching what was going on. So um, we were talking about it and talking with the staff. So we have we have raised an horizontal leadership model. So when it comes to brainstorming and discussing ideas, everybody is on the same uh, okay. uh, level. So we discuss and we we actually want feedback and ideas from everybody in the team. So we were looking very closely at the evolving of the situation. And we were balancing risk and opportunity. Uh, I still remember at the beginning the experts saying in TV that this is just a flu, it's gonna be over in two weeks, things like that. Uh, we uh, considered that that could be a major disruption. And as soon as the situation was showing all the impact uh, was causing, we decided to drop forecasting. And I'm, I'm talking about numbers, performance, previous year, current years, and things like that, and start working since the beginning with scenarios. 
So we were creating these scenarios for the, the best case scenarios, it's just a flu during two weeks, to the worst case scenario. So, and probably uh, the real one is gonna be somewhere in the middle between these two. Uh, so we engage in a lot of discussions. Um, when the situation started to be really, really bad, and so all the world was pointing at Italy and like, oh, the situation is out of control and things like that. We deemed that the risk was exceeding the opportunity. So we decided to suspend operations. Uh, also because the was not clear, even with the countermeasure from a safety perspective, uh, were you know, appropriate for the situation. Um, and just want to a couple of examples. So even in this situation, before we decided to suspend operation, we didn't force anybody to show up at work. So the people that were not feeling comfortable, they were you know, in a state of fear, anxiety, because they didn't want to catch the COVID-19 and things like that, they were allowed to stay home and not show up at work. Uh, in a situation, I had actually, actually to, to say my housekeeping manager, if you don't find anybody, I'll do it. Okay. Was not necessary at all because you know, people, when we discuss about leading by example, Okay. So my, my people are always showed a great level of commitment. But this was a way to, um, for us to show the fact that we are all together in this. We understand the situation and uh, we're going to deal with it together. So when we deemed that the risk was too high, we decided to suspend operation and wait for the situation to settle a little bit. Right now, very probably we're going to be the first to reopen. Uh, because in the meanwhile, we have been digging a lot and in advance compared with uh, the you know, government disposition, prescription and so on about new procedures. Uh, we are changing the way we are doing things, but the only thing we are changing is the how we do things. It's not the what, it's not the why. And the reason is simple. So safety is a must, but it's always been in a you know, high-end hotel. Now it's going to be a little bit more visible. Um, but everybody's going to do the same. So safety is gonna be crucial for doing business in the hospitality industry uh, because this is exactly what people expect. People want to feel safe. But uh, yesterday, for example, I was, I was watching a video about one hotel that reopened in Milan and the solution they decided to adopt is um, you, you never uh, encounter any, any other human being. So have your temperature scanner at, at the door entrance, and then you, you have an app on your mobile phone, which is open in your room, uh, and then you get an email, an email or whatever you want, it's delivered to your room by a robot, so you don't see anybody. Uh, this is that definitely not the direction we want to go. <laughs> I don't want a robot delivering my meal in Milan. That's no, not at all. I might uh, do it in Disney World. Disney World would be great, right? Oh, look at this little robot. But also it depends, you know, if, if you're traveling for work and all you think you, you need is just a room for spending the night and a meal, maybe it's fine. But we are doing something completely, completely different. We, we consider ourselves uh, well-being and happiness, happiness ex expert and pioneers. And our purpose as a company is providing our guests nowhere else experiences. Now, in this nowhere else, there is a lot which is rooted with our Apulian tradition which involves a lot of love for the land, love for the food, and the love for the people. So we cannot go that way, and that's the way we don't want to go, because uh, we want people to reconnect with themselves. So what we want to do is um, not provide an artificial safety, but helping people to go over this and, and develop resilience. This is a great time 
to spend time, uh, it's a great moment to spend time reconnecting with your roots. So spending time in open air, enjoying the sunshine, your gardening, spending time with your family, with your friends, enjoying the meal, because the meal, for us as Italians, you know very well, it's a big deal. It's a time for the community to get together. We spend a lot of energy in choosing our uh, raw material, preparing the food, eat it together. I'm getting it's really hungry as you're talking. This is not <laughs> a problem. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be there as you speak. And these are all the things we do a lot of research about. Um, also on a, you know, a scientific base, happiness, the importance of elements like belonging to a community. But these are the things we study in order to choose the things we want to propose our guests. Um, we, we don't show this kind of thing. We want you to come to our place and feel it and you know, smell it and taste it and savor it. it. If we are success, you are feeling good. There is, we don't need any other things. It's not about engaging on a mental level or a logical uh, level explaining the difference between this product and another one only. It's about having people really reconnected with themselves and feeling good. And there are a lot of ideas we are thinking about that, which I'm not going to disclose <laughs> right now, because okay, I mean, you, you have to try it out, them out by yourself. Uh, but this is all coming by a beautiful effort from the entire team. So the team is really getting together. Uh, one of the things we are doing right now to reconnect with our guests is uh, reconnect not on a transactional uh, base. Uh, we have been communica communicating in this month, producing content, uh, spontaneous content. It's not done in a, like a professional way. Having the, our team uh, members sharing what they are passionate about. So the meal they like to prepare, the things that they, they really enjoy, uh, having our guests exploring itineraries, um, manufacturing and craft something, some product, um, telling story tales for kids and things like that. Uh, we created this Casa Ignazia, which means house in Italian, where people can find these contents and we can get in touch. And also the emails or the phone calls we have made to our guests are just about you know, reconnecting. How do you do? How things are going? Um, just stay in touch. Uh, we know that and the sentiment from our people, you know, the mo mostly of our guests are repeaters. Uh, when all the magic we put together is really working, uh, Borgo becomes for people they have to place. And most of people I've been talking to, they really want to come back. Uh, you know, I was saying that we celebrate our 10th anniversary, anniversary uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we did it, of course, on, online in a gigantic webinar. And uh, we just invited, um, you know, to talk several people, uh, the first employee, the last one, and things oh, like that. Uh, because, you know, uh, we hire people based on attitude, not based on competencies. Because competence can be learned, but attitudes, uh, we want people aligned with the values we believe in because they, they need to share them. Uh, we, as leadership team, we need to lead by example, but they, they have to lead the experience of people, or our guests. Um, and we have just one um, uh, guest that was just showing up because she has been coming to Borgo uh, for nine years in a row. Uh, she's an American lady, beautiful person, I mean, really, really nice, nice person. And she said, I'm coming back. Even if I have to swim, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. So this is the type of commitment uh, we create with people. You have created. And so, I'm just, I just, 
This is a beautiful example of your purpose. So just tell us your purpose one more time. My purpose is I am a torchbearer and my spark starts a virus transformation. Okay, and my sense is this is a beautiful example of where you really have lived your purpose. And that one of the beautiful things about, there's so many very terrible things about the coronavirus experience for many people. And I don't wanna take away from that, but one of the, the gifts is that it really means that purpose has even more of an opportunity to show up because everything else isn't purpose. And when you show purpose, purpose really does, you can taste it, you can feel it. And my sense is that what you and your colleagues have created Borga is a beautiful example of what happens when you lead from purpose. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And if anybody's listening, I'm sure we're all so hungry right this minute. So yes, I need, I, I'm definitely, I gotta go eat something now. So <laughs> thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, Nick. It's been a great pleasure.